This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm Bob Asman, your host, and I'm pleased to be joined today with a great guest. Many of you have probably heard uh, or read some of his writings, Lee Cockrell. Lee, welcome, and please introduce yourself uh, to our guests. Okay, well, good morning, everyone. Well, uh, I guess the introduction is I am retired now. <coughs> Excuse me, but I uh, retired as the Executive Vice President of Operations for the Walt Disney World Resort. I spent 16 years with Disney. Before that, I uh, spent uh, 17 years with Marriott International and uh, eight years with the Hilton Hotels. So uh, that's kind of my background. I'm, uh, I've been married for 52 years. I got one son and three grandchildren, and that's pretty much my life. Thank you. Oh, that's fantastic, Lee. Lee, I think you could be our first retired guest on the podcast. <laughs> I love it. So uh, it's great and uh, to have somebody with your background joining us today. Uh, having briefly been in the travel space working for Carlson Bogley Travel, it, it's good to uh, hear somebody with, uh, with your experience in that industry. So Lee, uh, our listeners are always curious about the career path of our guests. How did they get to what they were doing? Did they, you know, think about doing it from day one? Did they stumble into it? What happened? How did you get here? Can you just share that with our with our uh, listeners today? Yeah, sure. I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma on a little farm. Uh, we were as poor as could be. Uh, we didn't even have indoor plumbing back in those days. I tell my grandchildren that they don't believe me, but it's true. And uh, my mother was pretty busy. She was married five times. I've been adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16 by husband number four. He was a doctor. He was a great guy. And uh, since uh, she started making better choices and marrying doctors, he had money and I got to go to college. So uh, I went off to Oklahoma State University. I was majoring in hotel and restaurant administration, but I kind of forgot to go to class. So I didn't do too well. After two years, I dropped out and went in the army. And uh, eventually when I got out of the army, I met a guy in the army. He said, you want to go to Washington DC with me? I'm going to open the um, new Hilton Hotel up on, up on Connecticut Avenue. And I said, sure. I had never been anywhere in my whole life. I spent, I'd never been out of Oklahoma until I was 20. We drove to Washington. We stayed at the Marriott over on Virginia side. It was $8 a night. We went over to the Hilton the next morning and got jobs. And I, I ended up, uh, and frankly, I'd never been in a hotel before in my life. We didn't go on vacation. And, and um, so I got a job as a banquet waiter, which I knew nothing about. And luckily I had somebody who took me by the hand and taught me the business. Uh, uh, I guess he liked me. And uh, so he, 
he uh, that's how I survived it. He showed me everything and uh, did that for about a year and a half. Then I got into a management training program with Hilton. And I think I got in for uh, two reasons. And it may be good for your listeners to remember these two reasons, especially when you don't have a college degree. First, I have a really good attitude. You want me to do something, I get it done. You'll never see that look on my face or disappointment if I have to work Christmas, New Year's, Saturday, Sunday, all those days. And uh, I'm very organized. I'm highly disciplined. I keep my promises. I do what I say I'm going to do. I have a very strict system. I use a day planner to figure out what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I need to do today, tomorrow, this year. And uh, that served me well. And um, I kept getting promoted. So I worked for... Hilton in Washington, Chicago, the Waldorf Astoria in New York, uh, Los Angeles. Then I joined Marriott, worked for them for 17 years, became the vice president of food and beverage. And the reason I got that job is I kind of focused on food and beverage. I knew the business. I'd been a cook. I'd been in accounting. I had been a server. I had managed. I mean, I I just knew all those roles and I knew the business well, and I had learned it from uh, top-notch people. So it's not that like I didn't know what I was doing. And so I became vice president of food and beverage planning for the company for worldwide. Uh, then in 1990, uh, Disney recruited me to go to France and open uh, food and beverage operations in the resorts. And I did that for three, two year, one year, uh, I guess one year, two years. And then I became the vice president of hotel operations for France. And then in 93, I came back to Orlando uh, in charge of the hotel division and uh, Two years later, they uh, promoted me to be in charge of all operations at Disney, including the parks and hotels and all of that. I did that for 10 more years, and then I retired and started my own little business and my own podcast. And <laughs> I have a Cockerel Academy now, an online learning system from all the things I learned over the years. And uh, my wife and I travel. If she likes where I'm going, she goes with me. If she doesn't, uh, she stays home. And so uh, we're having a lot of fun. We're up at my son's place in Boulder, Colorado right now. He and his wife went to France for two and a half months because she's French. And uh, we just came up here and stayed in their place and had a great time. So uh, it all worked out pretty well. But I still suggest everybody get a college degree. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's a, a great summary, Lee, of your background. I, I'm curious about a few things that uh, you said. One is uh, you know, you had a, uh, two items, you had a good attitude and you were highly organized. Where did you acquire those qualities that you, that you rely on so heavily in your, in your yeah. career? Well, I think a lot of who we are is, uh, where we grew up. When you grow up on a farm, you have things to do and, uh, you're expected to do them. You can't skip milking the cows. <laughs> you can't <laughs> skip, you can't skip feeding the animals. They don't appreciate that. And they wanted it at a certain time. And, uh, and so you get organized around understanding what your responsibilities are. And uh, I guess as you do that as you're growing up and, uh, and my mother was a pretty, pretty tough disciplinarian too. She was, uh, she uh, was clear with her expectations for us. And that clarity really helped us make sure we didn't want to cross her. <laughs> I tell people she was a terrorist before they had them in the world. So we did what she said. And I ended up running Disney World. My brother's an orthopedic surgeon, and we were the first two to even go to college. So I guess that uh, leadership she provided for us. And the other half of it was my grandmother, who was the nicest person I ever knew. And so 
I kind of got the empathy and the discipline. And mm-hmm. uh, I think those are the two things that leaders need to really judge themselves on. You need empathy and discipline to get results. And uh, if people don't think you care about them, they're not going to do it. And if they're too tough, they think you're a jerk. And uh, so you got to balance that out, just like mothers do. Mothers are the best leaders in the world because they use empathy on you and they use discipline on you. And because uh, they have a long-term goal of having you be successful. So I kind of think about that. I always tell people when in doubt, call your mother. If you don't know what to do, she'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love, I love the empathy and discipline. Uh, and by the way, uh, listeners, as you heard, Lee has his own podcast and we love flipping the tables on people that have podcasts uh, that are podcast hosts and uh, having them be podcast guests. So, so it's great uh, to do that flipping. Lee, the other comment I heard in your career path was um, you learned all the roles. You knew all the roles. And uh, I had that similar experience when I was uh, moving through my career where I learned a lot of different functions within a business, uh, you know, started at the, uh, at the entry level and worked a lot of different jobs and kind of had a zigzag. Uh, is that, you know, a lot of times people look at the career ladder as, as vertical as opposed to a zigzag. What are your thoughts about that? I do not think you can be as successful as you could be with, with, I call them the three E's. I've come to the conclusion of education, yes. Does it have to be college? No, it has to be that you have curiosity and you get up and you learn and get on the internet and attend, listen to a a podcast like this. And uh, you just have an, you know, one day I woke up when I was about 22 and started learning. I, cause I went to Washington DC. I was shocked at how little I knew about the world. I mean, I didn't know anything. And all of a sudden I started learning and reading and uh, going to seminars and workshops and listening to tapes. And so I say education, but the most probably made my success was um, experience. I mean, I got the experiences. My wife and I moved 11 times. We lived in France. We lived in New York, LA, Chicago. We've been all over. We loved everywhere we lived. Uh, Experience, experience and last exposure. I say education, experience and exposure. Exposure meaning you know what the real world's like. Get out of your village, go out and find, you know, I tell young people today, as soon as you graduate, go to a big city for five years. Get out of your village. Go and meet. You gotta when you move to Washington, New York, LA, Chicago, any of these places, you meet people from everywhere. They become your friends and you learn to appreciate them. And uh, it's probably the best way to drive out the bigotry and racism we have in the world is get out there and meet meet the folks. Because I said I've been to 50 countries now. Uh, I guess 45 countries now. And uh All of them have babies and they love them. And that's, (laughs) don't worry about the government, worry about the people. And uh, yeah, so that's my kind of, make sure you get all three of those and don't don't shortchange yourself uh, by wanting to go too fast because experience is forever and you make better decisions and people know you, everybody knows what you know. They know if you know what you're doing or not. And you may think you're fooling them, but no, people know. So, that's where you build the trust. People trust you because they know that you know what you're doing. And, and, uh, and we all know those people who put on a good show and think, make us believe they know what they're doing, but we know they don't. Mm-hmm. So that's, <laughs> so that's my point of view. Get all three. 
I love the, I love all three. And I love the exposure. I can remember when my children were probably, I don't know, 10, 12 years old, we went to Spain for the first time and, and went uh, through Amsterdam. And I can remember them just uh, in awe of uh, the different clothing they were seeing, you know, people didn't all look alike and they were, <laughs> and they talked different languages and they dressed differently, or I should say in their native country's dress. And they were just in awe about this and they still talk about it today, how that impacted them. So uh, I can certainly relate to education experience and exposure uh, and, and encourage that with my children as well. Um, Lee, where are we at when we're, I mean, I, I've said we're emerging from the pandemic. Now there might be some reemergence of the pandemic. Some areas of the world are still in, in dire straits in relation to the pandemic. But if we look at this, what's happened over the last 16, 17 months and where we're headed, where are we at in the whole area of experience management? And uh, what, what's your view of this? You have a global view. You interact with lots of lots of organizations. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, no doubt the last year and almost a half already has been tough. And, uh, and my wife and I were uh, pretty conservative. We stayed in the house. We, you know, I tell them we're old. We're not taking any chances. <laughs> we don't want to be in the ozone, which I call the obituary zone. <laughs> so, oh, gosh. So and, true. Uh, so, yeah, it's tough. But I, uh, I got asked over that year and a half, what do you think about the hotel business, the travel business, the service business, the restaurant business? And I always said, it's going to come roaring back. You can't, you can't hold people down. I mean, mm -hmm. they, and we're seeing that. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to be some bumps, like everything. There are obstacles as you try to come out of, a, of this. And it could go on for a long time, may go on forever. Who knows? But mm -hmm. um, Americans also are risk takers. And uh, if we get out there and get those vaccines, even if you get sick, you know, uh, you get sick. I mean, we've all been sick and had the flu <laughs> or other things. And since the odds are that you'll survive it. And um, I would say, uh, I'm sure the world is just gonna be pumping. And I, I think all over, Americans have a lot of curiosity to travel now and they have the means to travel and, and uh, business will come roaring back. I'm already booking speeches right and left, in-person speeches because uh, people are lightening up. And uh, there's still some that are, are, are doing them virtually and that's fine and uh, some some of the ones I booked may turn back to virtually as this thing gets out of control but uh, it'll be fine I think you know every time we have a bad thing we think it's the end of the world and it always gets better so <laughs> I've been fired in my career I got fired once and it turned out the best days were way ahead of me and uh, so you know our brain kind of uh, lies to us and tells us, well, this is it. It's all over. <laughs> and, and it's not. Uh, I tell people, your brain lies to you. Be careful. Don't listen to it too much. And uh, yeah, it'll, 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 it'll come roaring back. Well, I, we, we certainly hope so. Uh, listeners, you're listening to my ghastly cockroll from, um, as our podcast guest uh, today. And we're having a discussion about uh, Lee's career and also experience management. So, Lee, in the in the late '90s, I um, was leading an organization that was going through substantial transformation, lots of challenges, um, uh, 
with delivering service. And the employees got together and they said, we need a rallying cry. And the rallying cry was, we want to create a Disney-like experience for our customers. And it really resonated with employees across the organization because people could picture a Disney experience. They had experienced Disney. They knew what it was all about. What is that Disney experience that's so special, Lee, that you led for uh, many years that, that creates such raving customers? Well, I, I tell everybody, anybody can do it. Uh, we just happen to do three things better than anybody else. And uh, anybody can do it that's listening today. Number one, we hire better. We are very extremely careful who we bring into the organization. And we go through quite a process to get them in. And uh, uh, even today, if you want to work at Disney, you have to go on the internet, answer 136 questions about yourself. We want to know who you are. Do you have discipline? Are you going to come to work on time? Do you have the right attitude? Can you uh, stay out there and make magic all day long selling ice cream cones? when it's 95 degrees and we, we learn a lot about people. If you get to fill that, if you get to um, get through that, okay, you get to fill out an application. When I was there, it's a little different now, but um, you had to watch a film about clarity of expectations. Let me tell you, if every organization would clarify their expectations before they hired people and communicate those to them and look them in the eye like your mother did and said, do you understand what I just told you? This is the way we do it here. Uh, this is one of the biggest problems. We're not clear about our expectations. And, uh, and uh, that's the key. And hire the right people. And then also have the discipline to uh, let people go that don't want to step up and be as great as you want. Every organization depends. If you want to be great, you want to be average, you want to be... Uh, there's no difference. Uh, if the bathroom's dirty, it's the general manager's fault. <laughs> if the people are not friendly, that's the general manager's fault. If, Mr. Marriott told me if you have flies in your restaurants, because you like them. And uh, because, uh, and I think that's one. The second thing is we train better. We train people, we test them, and we enforce the training. There's another thing. Most companies don't enforce their own training. They have all kinds of excuses. Well, you know, it's hard to find people. And I understand the traffic. They're going to be late. And no, 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 no. Uh, those are excuses. Those are not reasons. And uh, when you have a high, when you raise the expectations for yourself, then you will raise them for your team. And then they will execute. That's the way life works. Even people who don't know, most people don't even know how good they can be because they haven't been in an environment and a culture where that happened. And they haven't seen excellence. And third thing we do is we create a culture at Disney where people wake up in the morning, want to come to work, not have to come for a paycheck. <laughs> and we're trying to create a culture where everybody matters and they know they matter. And that's the leadership's responsibility to make sure people know they matter, whether it's uh, just uh, training them, developing them, giving them feedback, uh, being out and about with them, helping them, assisting them. We want people to uh, uh, really know they matter because we all want to matter. There's not one person in the world. I don't care if he's your pot washer, your housekeeper making up 15 rooms a day, beds. Everybody wants to matter. And it's not that hard. The best way to make sure people matter is to tell them. <laughs> and you got, that, you got that opportunity every single day and it doesn't cost a penny. It's 100% free. And uh, we, we miss opportunities, we miss chances because we don't know the power, you know, appreciation, recognition, encouragement, that's, that's the fuel that drives human performance. 
We know that every mother, we always tell our kids, good job, you're doing great, we love you. I mean, you know, then we go to work and people are terrified of us. I mean, if your kids are terrified of you, they'll run away from home. Uh, that's called turnover. And uh, so uh, just think about those three things. Are you hiring right, training right, and treating them right? And if you're not, uh, you need to either rethink who you are, get a psychiatrist, or figure out what your problem is, because there's no upside to not treating people well, not training them, and not uh, not hiring the right people. There's no upside to that. That's just foolish. Mm. Now, you can come up with a million reasons why you, and excuses why you can't do it, but that, that's what they are, are excuses. So, so that's, you got to either believe that, that uh, excellence is a state of mind, and if you don't have that state of mind, you're probably not going to achieve it. And don't underestimate what you can achieve. Don't underestimate what you can do. Don't underestimate your influence every day. I did that for the first 15, 15 years. I didn't understand my influence because I was insecure. I was I had low self-confidence because the way I grew up and no college degree. And eventually I started getting great feedback from people that I managed and led. And my confidence got better. And I started to under, I started to un, not underestimate the influence I could have by training people, developing people, being there for people, listening to them, helping them. And uh, these are just the basics that, you know, tech, your technical expertise will be the least of your problems. It'll be uh, people. It's always people. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, if you're in the fast food business, it's not about the hamburgers, it's about the people. Hamburgers are going to be fine. And don't worry about them. Your disappointments and obstacles are going to be people. And you better get really good at it. And being able to sit down and have hard conversations with people about their performance and make hard decisions, just like your mother did. I tell people, if you can't make hard decisions and have hard conversations, don't have children and don't become mm -hmm. a leader because that's all you do. <laughs> <laughs> so true, right? Yeah, it's all true. True, your kids yeah. disappoint you, they make you happy, they're a blessing, they're a curse day to day. <laughs> right. But you still stick in there and you still do everything you can to make them successful. I said parents only worry about two things in life, and all they worry about is safety and education. That's it. Mm. You think about when you think of your kids, safety and education. Every day you think about that. Mm. And uh, if you don't think about it, then they don't get it and they don't understand. Uh, and I would say at the same time, uh, um, knowing dad will be disappointed and kick my butt if I do stupid things and don't, be, don't behave properly and not professionally and not with courtesy. They know, <laughs> and they love you. <laughs> they may not love you for exactly. when they're kind of, They may not love you when they're 14, 15, 16, but they'll love you again, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> they may not like you right now, but they'll love you. Eventually. Yeah, they exactly. still love you, right? I didn't like my mother for several years. Great. <laughs> so, Lee, it uh, it's so refreshing to hear you talk about the first thing about the experience was hire better. And as CX professionals, we spend a lot of time talking about journey maps and net promoter scores and, and uh, strategies and designs. And you start with hire better. And it makes so much sense. And oftentimes we don't, when we are working on all those things as CX professionals, we don't look back at the behaviors that need to change within the organization. Yeah, I mean, it's a leadership's behavior that sets the pace. You know, 
if you have a good culture at home and you feel safe and you're going to get educated and you're, somebody loves you, it's because you've got good parents. <laughs> and at work, it's the same way. And by the way, a lot of people coming into our business didn't have it at home. So we got a little more of a struggle to be clear with them and straighten them out and treat them right and show respect to them. So over time, uh, they will change too. They will. Introverted people will become extroverted if they're in the right environment. So Lee, one of the things you talked about was, you know, you mentioned discipline a couple of times in the context of being disciplined, but also uh, discipline in regards to, um, you know, how you hire and how you train. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you had to let some people go at Disney. Sure. And um, was that because they didn't align to the expectations? We don't always talk about the turnover, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you can hire great pe people uh, uh, stop performing or their performance goes down for many reasons over time. They can be great when they start, but things happen. They're unhappy. Their marriage is unhappy. They got a bad attitude. They have an illness. They have, uh, they just can't, uh, the, the expectations of the company are higher than they have the ability to do. Uh, they don't feel well. Uh, there's a lot of reasons people don't perform, but I tell people, and we're willing to help. You know, you got an illness, we're going to work with you. We're going to give you time off. We're going to do that. But uh, over the over over a period of time, people have got to perform. At the end of the day, I, the only thing you need to focus on really as a leader is performance. That's what you're there for. And, and uh, yes, do you need to use empathy sometimes? Absolutely. And uh, but you also got to know when it's time to deal with a non-performer. And by the way, the chances of them not performing, if you're really clear up front, I mean, with total clarity where people know, don't even think about it. It's like when I was in the army, don't even think about it and put your system in place. There's the army way. <laughs> and uh, at Marriott, there's the Marriott way. And we, we want your opinion, but don't implement it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, this is the name of the game. You know, you just, uh, and that's, yeah, I had to let, people go, uh, of course, all kinds of every level, including executive vice presidents, vice presidents uh, that, uh, had been there 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, because, uh, and you know, the organization is often changing and people resist it. They don't want to change. We're in a different place today than we were in the 70s and 60s and 80s about how to lead people, how to manage people, how to respect people. And if you don't make that change with them, people say, oh, the millennials are a problem. I said, well, you better get used to it. That's all we got. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going back to work. So don't count on me coming in to help you. Uh, <laughs> you know, get you got to learn. I've got three grandkids that are 25, that are about to turn 26, 23, and 20. And these kids, uh, they're different than I was and their father was. We, you know, I worked six days a week and took the beating and wasn't treated very well sometimes in certain companies. And uh, today these kids will leave. They're smart. They'll walk away. And we have examples in our own family of that. Our, our son's, our grandson's a biomedical engineer and he wasn't happy with the involvement and what he was learning and, and uh, what, uh, how they was being treated and what he was unsure of his future. Nobody was talking to him about that. He left. He got a great job. We have an, a niece who was a structural engineer and she worked for a big oil company. And now she's in charge of uh, that oil company's business in one of the South American countries. She left. She left the place she was. And 
uh, you know, smart, intelligent, well-educated kids today, they can go out and get a job every morning and you better learn how to get along. You, you don't have to be, you don't have to technically know. People ask me what I did at Disney. I said, not much. I just made sure everything got done because <laughs> I hired really smart people, engineers and security and transportation. I don't know how to do all those things and I don't need to do them. I hired the best people I could find and then I let them do their job and I was available like your mom is. If you need me, call me. And uh, that's it. It's that simple. And, uh, and, and if you're having to spend a lot of time with a really qualified person you hired, uh, you've got some problem going on. Why would you do that? After you hire the right people to do the work you want them to do, then you got to decide where you're going to spend your time. And I spent my time making sure we were hiring right, training right, and treating people right. And I spread that across the organization. I didn't get involved in what stuff goes on the shelf, Mickey Mouse ears, and, <laughs> and uh, helping the engineer run the maintenance, which we have 6,000 maintenance people. I, I'm not an engineer. I don't even have a college degree. I, I couldn't give them much help. I, I, I think I got through math, uh, multiplication. I got through that. That was about the end of it. And um, so you got to just security. It's a big deal today. It's not simple. It's different. Uh, we hired the we hired the head of Navy SEALs, the enlisted guy who reported to the admiral to be in charge of security for our cruise line at Disney, and he saw twenty things we never had seen before. Amazing when you're an expert how your eyes see things differently than other people. And uh, when you hire great people, you get great results. And when you hire idiots, <laughs> that's what you get. <laughs> and uh, and a lot of people will fool you in an interview. We have a very good interviewing process to make sure that we know who you are, not just what you can do. Uh, I want to know who you are. Can I trust you? Uh, are you going to tell me the truth? Are you going to? So there's a lot to it, but it's not that hard. You just got to be understand what it is and understand, are you practicing it? Or are you out there being insecure and trying to push people around and intimidate them and threaten them? And, and they'll leave. They won't be there. And we're seeing that right now, by the way. Mm, we sure are, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, you know, you say it's it's simple, and I, I agree with you, yet we sure do make it complicated, don't we? Uh, we do. I mean, when you think, you don't have any problem with how you deal with your children, do you? Uh, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, you do it. You, you, you do just it. do it. You, yeah, you don't right. start thinking about, well, will they like it? Uh, <laughs> should I wait for their annual review? I don't know. <laughs> You know, I mean, no, you just no, you love you, them. Right. And if you respect your people at work, you just do it. <laughs> you don't go, oh my God, I don't know. Well, can I sit down with them? They might get mad. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> my mother didn't. Ever, when your kid runs in the street when they're little, you deal with it right then, not on their annual review. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, this is the problem, people. It's hard. This is the main problem. People don't want to do, make the hard decisions and have the hard conversations. Why? Because it's hard. And uh, until you get the hard, doing the hard things, life's going to get harder. Uh, you know, it's like exercise. Why don't people exercise? Because it's hard. A guy told me the other day, he said, I started getting in shape. I was lifting weights to get more strength. And he said, I quit. Those things are heavy. I mean, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, most yeah. of the decisions you make that matter are heavy. Yeah. They're very heavy. Yeah. And, and you know, Lee, you, you touched on it just briefly. You know, we're starting to hear rumors about the great resignation and, and all kinds of resistance as we 
emerged yeah. from the pandemic. Are you hearing, is that what you were referring to as what we're starting to see now? Oh yeah, it's everywhere. Every one of mm -hmm. my clients were talking about it. Um, and it's all, it's everywhere, absolutely. Because people, you know, once you introduce people to a new environment, a new culture and a new life, one guy I saw, he wrote, you know, I stayed home for a year and worked remotely and I'm never going back. I am embarrassed at what I used to value after I spent a year with my family. Wow. I'm embarrassed at what I used to value. You know, mm. absolutely. Life's pretty powerful. Quick. How many regrets you want to have in your life? And um, so, and it affects your health. You got to get in the right environment. Stress takes you out. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, yeah, we're going to see it. It's not going to, I think it's going to be permanent. I think it's, uh, there, there's been an awakening. People are going, oh, there's another way. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> you know, I don't need more money. I need more time. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, they both have value, but you never get, you can always get the money back if you decide to change, but, uh, no, it's, you know, it's the same old thing. Once we learn something, we can't believe it. <laughs> Why didn't I know that before? You know, I mean, so every day I learn things. I'm going like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a country. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> 5 million people live there, uh, you know, and it's just like, Whoa. I spend a lot of time on Google because I love to look up things I don't know, which is a lot. <laughs> right, so. exactly. Um, Lee, this has been a, a wonderful conversation. As we as we near the end of this engagement, I feel like we could talk the rest of the day. Um, uh, I've been remiss in not mentioning the fact that you have a book called Hard Wiring Magic. And also, um, what, what are some final thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners as, as we wrap up this podcast? Well, you mentioned the hardwiring magic, and that's basically my son and I and his wife, who has a big retail background in Disney, and two engineers, electrical and uh, structural engineers. Uh, we worked on this because end of the day, that book will kind of tell you and enlighten you that you've got to have a systematic approach to excellence. I mean, in your own family, you have a way you do things. Uh, I mean, it, it develops. You may not have sat down and planned it, but when you talk to the kids, when you get involved in their life, when you check on them, when you do that, when you set expectations, when you teach them uh, what to do, how to do it, and you got to have that in the business. And mainly we started working with hospitals because systems matter. Checklists matter. Uh, being clear with people matters. And that book uh, helps people understand, do you have a system in place? Because most people take better care of their car than they do themselves. And they take better car. I mean, it's amazing that uh, I, I say a good day planner and understanding how to use it is a checklist for your life. You can tell me the 10 things are the most important to you in your life. And then I can look in, look in your planner and see, are you spending enough time on them? So are you spending enough time with your wife? Are you spending enough time with your kids with for your retirement, for your mom and dad, who are one day you're going to have to help or your grandparents? And uh, have you thought about that and your retirement and your relationships and your own knowledge, going back to school, learning new things? Uh, it never ends. And your health. Uh, most people are not thinking about their health because they feel so bad they don't want to and by the way the number one reason people procrastinate is they don't feel well mentally or physically hmm. 
that's the number one reason you don't get enough sleep you drink too much you're having an emotional argument with your wife uh, you're stressed out you're, you've got anxiety which is worldwide now a big problem and when you don't feel well you don't do much you just don't that's just the way life is and we've all been there you know if you got the flu or you're cold you don't do anything and if you're not feeling well this morning because you didn't get enough sleep and you eat too much and you don't exercise, then you don't get much done. When you don't get much done, the years fly by and bingo. <laughs> I say, you're, I tell people there's only four ages. You're born, you're 21, you're 65 and you're dead. So you better get with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you better so get that would be mine. Don't underestimate what you can do and it's never too late to get better. Uh, those are outstanding words of wisdom and a great way to wrap up this podcast with Lee Cockrell, who's all about um, Disney magic, as well as an outstanding career in hospitality and uh, a great um, a great philosopher about leadership. And Lee, we've certainly enjoyed the conversation today and appreciate your time. Listeners, yeah, if you, go ahead, Lee. No, I was just going to say, thanks for having me on. I like to talk about this subject because it's, I mean, what's more important than us leading our families and our businesses properly? Absolutely. And uh, I, I, I hope listeners will put it in their day planner to listen to this podcast because I think it, uh, it's inspiring and uh, certainly uh, challenges one's own thought process, which is fantastic. Yeah, well, let us know when it's out and we'll share it with our people. Will do. Uh, listeners, this has been another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with your network and stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you, listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show. Follow me on LinkedIn and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.